Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. You love the audio format because you listen to podcasts. I'm a massive fan of learning through audio courses and books. What I particularly like about Knowable is that courses are short form, like a podcast, and expert-led, like an audiobook, with courses on leadership from the commander of the International Space Station and on startups from the co-founder of Reddit. Grab yourself 20% off with coupon code GAVIN, in capital letters, G-A-V-I-N, which brings the price down to just over $3 a month. It's a no-brainer. Download the Knowable app or visit knowable.fyi. Use code GAVIN to get 20% off. Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. I'm so excited to be able to bring you an extra treat, a special, quickest turnaround ever. Big shout out to the Progressive Podcast Agency for doing the amazing and turning this around overnight. Uh, because um, this today's episode is about the UK budget for 3rd of March 2021. And uh, this conversation is between myself and between a wealth manager and a tax consultant about what do they think of the budget? What do we think of the budget? Good, bad or indifferent for business, for savers, for pensioners, for planning, etc. We have a conversation that not only covers the budget, we talk about cryptocurrencies, we talk about negative interest rates. Um, yeah, we talk about um, uh, furlough and the impact on, uh, on workforces and getting businesses back together. So a far wide ranging conversation that if you're interested in the implications of the UK budget in 2021 to your business and your world, you'll find it a benefit. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. This is Gavin Preston, and we're also live uh, streaming on the Business Mastermind Podcast page on Facebook. Today, we're going to talk about yesterday's uh, UK budget, the British budget, on the 3rd of March 2021. And I'm joined today by Mark Birch, who's a wealth manager, and Chris Haley, who's a tax consultant. So before we jump into this, I'd like to initially get you guys to introduce yourself. So Mark, please lead by introducing yourself, uh, introduce your business and then uh, I'll hand over for Chris to make his introduction also. Thank you very much Gavin, it's very grateful to be on your, your podcast today. I'm Mark Birch, I run uh, Sleekstone Private Clients uh, based out in Pembrokeshire, the West Wales coast. Um, I've been in financial services now for about 24-25 years um, and I'm just here to try and put some sense around the noise we've heard from the budget. Fantastic. Chris? Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, yeah, I'm Chris Haley. I run uh, Premier Consulting. Um, it um, provides tax consultation to owners of uh, small to medium-sized business and uh, to property investors. Um, I've been around this, uh, this 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 area for more years than I care to remember. And uh, yeah, I'm delighted to uh, weigh in with one or two thoughts on, uh, on yesterday's uh, budget. Great, fantastic. Um, so... 
I'm just seeing about the technology to see if I managed to get the live set up uh, correctly. And it's looking like um, the technology is defeating me again. So we're recording for the podcast, if nothing else, and we've got a video recording. <laughs> so I wanted to lead with a, a, a kind of an a, a g- opening and introduction about your thoughts about, you know, bigger picture, the context with which the budget sits and what you think has been delivered by, you know, in way of a job for uh, uh, for the British economy. So, yeah, Mark, I'd love to get your your, your take on that first. Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, there was so much content that was being read out yesterday uh, by the Chancellor at the, at the dispatch box. Um, I think the biggest one, of course, is the, the allowances freeze um, that we weren't really expecting. I think there was more focus in the, in the media beforehand about CGT rises, uh, you know, inheritance tax thresholds being slashed, etc. Um, and what he's done, and there are people that are coming out and, and, and now... Uh, calling it a stealth tax. There's lots of noise in the, in the press this morning about it being a stealth tax. It's not strictly a stealth tax because he did come out and make it perfectly clear that this is what's going to happen. And it was written down and it's there for everybody to see. Um, it's more of a fiscal drag. So what they're trying to do is drag more people into paying tax. So through freezing the, uh, the, the allowances, the income tax allowance in particular, um, I think as the BBC have done some studies on this already, as, as you imagine they would do, um, and there's 1.3 million people who are now going to be dragged across the course of the next parliament into being a higher rate taxpayer. Um, and 1 billion people who don't currently pay income tax will actually be dragged into paying income tax at that point. So they are, they're not raising taxes, but they are raising taxes in terms of the amount of money that's actually going to get generated to the, to the, the Chancellor Exchequer's coffers. Great, thank you for that. And so um, you're dragging more people into the tax uh, bracket because of the freezing of those allowances. So, you know, Chris, what's your overall sort of take on on the budget and the context within which we sit and uh, what's been achieved by it or will be achieved by it? Well, for me, it was um, when you think of all the leaks that we've uh, experienced in, in recent weeks, um, I guess most of us had a pretty good idea of what he was going to be saying yesterday. Um, but for me, it was uh, both surprising and, and, and unsurprising in certain areas. So, for example, as Mark alluded to, capital gains tax was, was one area where we were pretty sure that he was going to do something quite dramatic. And the rumour was he was going to realign capital gains tax rates to income tax rates, which, of course, is where they used to be once upon a time. Um, and that would have been a really big problem, I think, certainly for, uh, for property investors. Um, now, having said that, um, we do know he's awaiting a report from the Office of Tax Simplification, and it may well be that um, there's further news on that uh, as the year progresses. Um, in terms of no surprise, uh, corporation tax, um, I think that was always going to be a target. I don't think it's what the Conservatives want to do. I think their target was to get that down to 17%. So this gradual rise through the uh, profit levels up to 25%, in essence, it looks pretty high and a huge increase in two years' time, but it still remains the lowest of the G7 countries. So it's not that bad. And when you bear in mind that 70% of all small and even-sized companies um, make profits of 50,000 and below, their tax rate remains at uh, 19%. Um, so not a great surprise there. It's good that he's giving business a couple of years to climb out of this. And I think my, my own view, purely my own view, is that he's banking on a V-shaped recovery. I think in his mind, he sees huge uh, growth in the next two years, especially next year. 
Um, and perhaps a personal view might be from me that all those companies who've benefited from saving 80% of their payroll might in some way think that a higher rate of corporation tax isn't a bad thing. Um, if they're indeed making the profits and justify the rate of corporation tax they'll then be paying. Um, but I think we'll all agree that um, the chance there was between a rock and a hard place, um, given the unusual circumstances that we're all in just now. I think the next six to nine months are going to be interesting, to put it mildly. Yeah, I agree. A good, great phrase, you know, between rock and the hard price. You think that they expected that the, the the level of debt for the UK is going to be ninety seven percent of GDP, and we were just talking before we press record about if that was you as a business, <laughs> there was no bank that would back you in in, in doing that, and <clears throat> the ability to be able to deliver that is. Um, uh, is supremely low and uh, consistently low interest rates. And we'll come back to that. I think my view is it, um, it smacks of uh, some of the intellectual horsepower and evident intelligence of Rishi Sunak around, uh, Sunak around the uh, sophistication of the, of the measures. Because the more subtle, I think, the more subtle and nuanced, you know, the fiscal drag that Mark was talking about to bring more people into the tax band. And I do wonder whether with this increasing of the corporation tax, there's a drive, just my suspicion, there's a drive to get single uh, director companies um, towards onto PAYE so they could get the tax take in the months that, you know, on PAYE every month instead of, instead of you know, nine months after the year end. Um, so, but I think, yeah, a sophisticated approach to what is an unenviable task of trying to balance the books, but not um, hindering uh, what might be a shaky, a shaky recovery. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, 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 the problem uh, that we'd all have if we were in that position of being in charge um, is how to do it without damaging an already damaged economy. Um, if it had come out yesterday and said, right, we're putting corporation tax up immediately and capital gains tax up immediately and we're going to penalise everybody, the whole thing would just implode. It would collapse. Um, there are companies out there that are on the brink of collapse anyway. Um, as you, you, you and I have spoken before about, Gavin, that there are people out there that are waiting for further to end, knowing that they won't have a job at the end of it because the the business, the industry they're in, this doesn't exist anymore. Um, so it is. It and this is all. This isn't created like the credit crunch was created. This isn't the financial crisis. It was the making of you know the big bad bankers that everybody went loved to bash you know 10, 12 years ago. This is uh, this is a, a, a global pandemic. Every country is in the same boat. And we were talking earlier before before you press record about the interest rates. Um, and as Chris rightly said, the interest rates are, um, are what driving this to keep it as cheap as it is with the borrowing, which then leads us on to, do we then think that interest rates are going to stay incredibly low for decades? Because the whole world is in the same boat. Yeah, a uh, good point. The, um, the only thing that makes this uh, incredible debt figure that's been projected to 25-26 uh, um, is the fact that the interest rates are so incredibly low that it makes it um, easier to uh, make repayments. Um, we're also chatting before we, we went live about um, the fact that the Government Bank of England put the banks on notice in January about preparing for negative interest rates. Uh, so just imagine that um, you uh, deposit your hard-earned cash in the bank uh, and the bank actually charge you for looking after your money. Um, that's something that uh, we've not experienced, but actually it's been ongoing in a lot of the European Union uh, countries for a lot of last year. So don't rule it out here. Um, 
Now, what that means for sailors who've always been particularly hard hit in recent times is, well, I mean, it's it's cataclysmic potentially. Yeah, and say for people that have retired and they've saved money and they've worked hard their lives and they save money and they they've got if you services of people like March protect the cash flow requirements um, and they've diversified the risk with some of it in the stock market but some of it in cash, and they reckon they've got and I don't know another 10, 15 years to live. That's going to have a, a significant, a massive effect on them. Uh, uh, desperate and of course my concern would be that it might then persuade these people to start taking risk when ordinarily um they would you know walk a million miles from doing so uh it may be they have no option but they take risk um but we just don't know and, and that's and that's the problem i think uh that's before we press the, the live uh button that uh under normal circumstances you know, I, I would say that there's, there's got to be better experts out there to uh, comment on this, but because the situation is so unique, um, and you know, as Mark, you, you talked about you know the, the pandemic being uh, national, and I, I was telling my clients a few months ago it's a, a once in a one hundred year uh, occurrence. Uh, well, that might not be the case yeah, because uh, since the turn of the new century, there's been a number of uh, potential pandemic incidents. Uh, which have been, you know, controlled at the, uh, you know, at the outset and at source. Um, but I mean, this this could happen again. Um, the, wherever this originated from, I don't see anything that gives me any confidence to believe that this might not happen again. Quite. Um, so we, we really should get our house in order and prepare, and not just accept that once lockdown's over and we're able to get out and about again. Uh, and start doing business again properly. That we, you know, we could face this again. Uh, you know, don't be a prophet of doom, but uh, it's it's something I think all businesses have to uh, sort of factor in as, as a potential uh, possibility. And that, that's a really fascinating thing for a board to make a decision on, aren't they? Do you, you know, some would say you should put uh, money aside for six, in this case now, even 12 months of operating costs you'd learn from this to be able to to still trade, to still pay your um, your, your wages and, and, and overheads in case of a, a challenging time such as, a, as this. But if you then were to put that in a deposit, uh, account and that, that is, then gets charged. And, you know, are we, are we going to see with people with piles of cash under the mattress again? It's probably well. Come on, Dad. Who's got some money built up because obviously he's not been anywhere, not done anything. Um, and she said, look, look, put it on cash. You want to keep it on deposit. Want to keep it nearby just in case. Not worried about tying up for maybe a year. Did some research. 0.58 is the best rate that I've found so far. That's a very very quick scan out of the internet but 0.58 percent on cash fixed for one year which gives you an indication when you look at them the two-year rate was 0.59 and the three-year rate was a little bit under 0.7 percent yeah so they're factoring in that they don't think we're going to be seeing a massive return to interest rates anytime soon and as you said chris you're quite right i do wonder um, if people with cash will start now taking a bigger risk and going into things like cryptocurrencies, which Gavin and I had a long conversation about yesterday, um, are people going to start taking that more risk that says, you know what, I can put it in cryptocurrency and I can get you know, potentially 30% on average a year. All right, it's crazy. It's the Wild West. It goes up and down. But I can, you know, I can make a return out of it um, without fully understanding the consequences. 
So I think we've slipped slightly off budgets, but I think you're, you're quite right. It's going to it's going to cause a bit of an issue. I think there could be some trigger some bigger macro uh, impacts. You know, for for a long time we've known that the whole success and growth of the economy in the Western world is predicated on debt, and that wasn't a, a good a, a, a good basis for a successful, healthy economy. And now what we're basically saying that if we go to a negative interest rates, there is an active incentive to borrow and borrow and borrow more. So you know, given we've got economic cycles, are we going to go to another credit crunch and probably not even in 10 years' time, you know, in four or five years' time? Can the bank survive charging next to nothing for um, for lending money? Um, that's, that's, that's a question that I, I, I will put forward. And it's interesting you mentioned uh, cryptocurrency. Um, I have a personal interest in, in this particular space. And whereas I, I don't personally regard it as being the Wild West, I can understand why... Uh, wealth managers would certainly uh, say that. But I read an interesting report turn of the year, which basically said that during last year, we advanced about 10 years um, in terms of digital evolution in, in the space of one year. I think a lot of the innovations that have taken place, we haven't actually seen yet. And I think crypto, digital currency, digital tokens, I mean, it's now possible for any business to establish its own blockchain and issue its own unit of value. Uh, Mark, you're probably aware that most of the uh, governments in the world are busy with uh, setting up their own um, state-backed digital currency. Um, Their argument is it will combat money laundering, proof of uh, proceeds of crime, uh, and that's great. So there's a gradual shift. And just to finish on that particular subject, when uh, Facebook announced in June 2019 they were going to launch their own uh, digital uh, currency, it sent the GA into an absolute tailspin because Zuckerberg was basically saying that the two-fifths of the world's population that are currently unbanked will now be able to access the financial services world by bypassing the banking system altogether. And bypassing the legal, regulatory and tax systems of all the, in, all the countries. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, I mean, yes, they've had him and his legal team locked in US Senate committee hearings for the last 18 months, and the latest... Um, version of, uh, of, of what was going to be called Libra, uh, it's got a new name now, uh, is nothing like what it was going to be. And of course, with Facebook's um, record in certain areas, I think it's, there's a chance it, it may never happen. But don't think that companies like Google and Microsoft uh, are not already planning their own uh, launch into this, because there's a very real chance here, a very great risk, that fiat currency, so pounds, dollars, euros, uh, which are backed pretty much by nothing, um, could actually, you know, become worthless. Um, we've all seen those images of uh, the Weimar Republic in Germany in the 1920s, where you have a barn full of, of Deutschmarks, and that was that would buy a loaf of bread that morning, but by evening that wasn't enough. Um, that could happen. I, 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 I'm smiling. We started a conversation about a budget. We're now talking about fiat <laughs> currencies <laughs> and and change to cryptocurrency. So let's just kind of like urge you back on track. So you know, we were surprised. We were surprised that there was nothing on CGT. But uh, let's not hold our breath because something could be uh, coming down the pipe. Because both of your respective predictions around that. The corporation tax rise is staggered to allow um, businesses to get back on their feet. And given that, you know, the stat, Chris, that 70% of SME businesses earn less than 50,000 pounds in tax, um, 
£50,000 in profits, I beg your pardon, if they will remain at the 19%. Um, do, you, do you think you're going to see a, a, a changing uh, equation for small business owners with their own limited companies about whether they take the money out as dividend or whether the, the tax system is nudging them towards take, it being paid through PAYE? That's a good question. Um, I personally thought that when... Um, Osborne's uh, measures to um, change taxation on dividends was introduced, uh, announced in 2015 and enacted in 2017, that there would be a gradual move away from dividends. That hasn't happened. Um, I guess it, it, at a certain level, there's almost parity now between taking dividends and, and going down the PAY system. Um, so I guess I don't see any dramatic change in the short term. It may be that... Um, there was something in the budget about making pensions um, have greater access to certain illiquid assets um, that might make them more attractive to those business owners who don't have a high regard for them. Um, that might make pensions more of a, a part of the overall remuneration package for the, uh, the, the company director, which of course has a huge uh, range of positive tax uh, consequences. Well, let me just pick up on that, Mark. Do you want to just jump in there about your view around what do you think this will mean for you know retirement planning, um, given low interest rates, and what that would mean towards, for example, pensions, and whether we talk about SIPs and SAS, et cetera. Do you want to just jump in on that, please? Uh, I think that the other thing that was frozen along with uh, the uh, CGT, IHT and income tax was, of course, the lifetime allowance, um, which is 1.073 million currently. So if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a pension fund that's up to 1.703 million, that's capped, that's it, that's as much as you can have in that thing before you then start paying uh, extra tax when you come to crystallise. The, the problem that we have is, as well as managers generally, is when we're talking to people about pensions, is trying to steer them down the route of which is most appropriate. Now, to me, your pension is the cash you've got in the bank, the investments that you've got, whether you've got any buy to let properties, your business, and an actual pension pot as well. Um, I think that if interest rates carry on going the way they're going, there's only more cash sat in businesses, which obviously is what the Chancellor's trying to tap out and get people to put into somewhere. Um, and I think those savvy business directors that have sat on cash, if they're lucky enough to have it, will be looking toward pensions and start putting more into it. So I think we'll actually see not a resurgence as such, but I think we'll see an increase in pension business of business owners suddenly going, as Chris said, you know, I'm going to pay myself £30,000 a year, whichever way you do it, salary or dividends, and I'm also going to pay myself thirty or forty grand a year in pension contributions, um, which, dependent on your life stage and like where you are in, in, in the scheme of life, can be a good thing and a bad thing. We're going to have a bigger divide coming towards you know, my generation for argument's sake, getting to retirement because you're going to have those that have and those that clearly do not have because they've been negatively impacted by things like furlough and COVID. So it's yeah. a, yeah. it's an absolute, it's a gap. It's just a, it, as Chris said, completely unprecedented. Nobody's ever been here before. You know, the credit crunch was explainable in as much as you could look at it and go, well, we could see that happening. We could see how that was over lending, we were overstretched, et cetera. Um, whereas this has just thrown everybody into chaos because you just don't know what's going to happen next. Just to um, pick up on one of the points you made around um, Chancellor trying to tap out some of that money in the businesses, just talk for a minute about the 130% um, um, sort of, are they calling it capital allowances? What, what What's it been called? <clears throat> well, he's calling it um, the super deduction. 
Um, Super deduction, that's right. That was it, yeah. <laughs> really catchy title, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, so you know, qualifying expenditure into plant machinery, uh, and there's a first year capital allowance of 130, um, percent which will, I think, encourage companies who've got lots of cash on the balance sheet to to, to go that way. Uh, but I've, I saw a report this morning uh, which said that that might not necessarily, you know, be what the Chancellor hopes it's going to be. So it's back to the point Mark made that we, you know, we, we just don't know. It's a, it looks an innovative idea on paper, but like all these things, it's how is it going to work out in practice? And just going back briefly to the pension uh, side of things, um, I think companies who will find themselves paying corporation tax at twenty five percent, I think there'll be a greater incentive. For those companies to uh, commit more into pensions because the, the the value of the tax relief will obviously be a lot greater and if they avail themselves of um, the sort of rules that you know public servants and prime ministers and judges and the police can benefit from um, then of course you know they can hold a hell of a lot more in, in, in pensions and make far greater contributions so i can certainly see that being more of an issue uh, in, in two years time um, but I think there's certainly, I think the secret to how we come out of this is, is through innovation. And just briefly, you know, if you think about, you know, where we were 12 months ago, uh, we had no vaccine. Uh, we're going into lockdown. We had this terrible rate of infection and a growing number of people that were dying. Um, if somebody said to me 12 months ago, today, more than nearly 40% of all adults would have had their first vaccination against this uh, disease, I would have said, never in a million years. So out of adversity has always been, and you know, innovation has come as a matter of course. And I think that will be the secret to get us out of this uh, going forward. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's really nice. Just on that part, I wonder whether, you know, one of the things that was talked about in the press over the whole uh, B word, the whole Brexit thing was, could we create London and the UK to be a Singapore on Thames and uh, a low tax regime? And I know there was um, some of the agreements that, with, with, with the EU that prevented that, but uh, of really dropping the corporation tax, but the increasing corporation tax, do you think that's made it less like, and the fact we've gone done Brexit, less likely for inward investment into the UK? Mark? <laughs> I, you know, I, I'll pick that. I, uh, no, I don't think it is. I mean, there's, there's CMAC pointed out yesterday, 25% even at the highest rate, is still the lowest, isn't it? You say it was in the G7, wasn't it? I think that, um, that's the lowest rate in the G7. So from a tax point of view, we're still attractive. We're not as attractive as we used to be, um, but we are still attractive. But again, the 25% is on companies that are making more than £250 million pounds profit. £250,000, um, was it? £250,000, probably a million would be great. Um, <laughs> yeah. £250,000 profit. So <laughs> it's, yeah, I think you know, we... I've always been, as a country, as the UK, we've always been referred to as a nation of shopkeepers. And ultimately, I think that's the way it's going to go back. We're going to have more people going into business, more people deciding, actually, you know what, I'm going to do this for myself. Um, and Hopefully it careers. What we were talking about before about the, um, you know, the allowance is 130%. I'm marginally dubious on that as well, because if you think about it, what they're saying is, is if you go and buy you know, a new piece of kit for a million pounds a day to put in your factory to make your factory more productive and employ more people and make more things. Yes, now you can get effectively 1.3 million back or written off against your tax liability. But the more productive you are, the more money you're going to make, the more money you make, the more your edge never close to that 
It's clever. That's my opening comment about it. It's an intellectual, you know, a smart budget. Yeah, it's very clever. I, I, I want to turn the conversation kind of the final point to the debate about the extension of furlough. So, you know, the furlough extension to many business owners will be a relief because it's um, to the extension to the end of September because there was a concern. It was going to end at the end of April, wasn't it? Um, and was it end of April? Uh, I think originally, yeah. Um... Yeah, the extent to the end of September that there may be a massive, you know, cliff edge of people losing their jobs as a result of that. Um, but I, I think it's a double-edged sword, you know, for a business to be operating, to be functioning, to be earning money and contributing to the economy and society, it needs those people back at work. So in other words, we need to end the lockdown, given this fantastic success story of vaccine rollout, open up the country and get people back at work. And I think there's a real danger of the longer that people are on furlough, the harder it is to get them back to work. As I shared again before recording, I was on a call uh, with somebody with our local MP today, and they had a call from a constituent said, uh, saying, my employer is asking me to come back to work on the 15th of March. Um, um, what can I do about that? As if they didn't have a right to be at work. So I'd love to get your thoughts about, you know, the, the pros and cons of being, um, you know, going on to furlough, extending the furlough. I, I, I think it's a good thing while we're trying to recover. It's, um, I think they've extended to the end of June and then July, August, September, it's a sliding scale then, so they're going to reduce it down to 60%, with 20% paid by the employer and so on and so on, to slowly sort of withdraw uh, the airbag, if you like. Um, what concerns me is the first, I remember the first lockdown, um, I was talking to a client of mine um, who was saying, well, you know, we need people on site. It's a big, big business and they need people there. And some of the employees turn around, well, I'm on furlough. I'm not coming back. This is great because you're paying me. I'm getting paid 80% for not coming to work. This is fabulous. Why would I not come back? Um, so he had the kind of hard decision of talking to his HR department and saying, can we sack them? Can we just get rid of them now? Because I'm not paying them through the government scheme to sit at home. I need them on site now. And yes, they're not going to get, you know, it's not going to be the lovely place it is normally to work at, but we still need bodies here. Um, and he really struggled to get people to want to come back. And that was in the first lockdown. Yeah. Um, you know, when things started to reopen about sort of July, August time last year. So we're talking almost six, seven, eight months on from then. So as you say, Chris, the, the people who have been furloughed from day one, who are still furloughed now, yeah. have effectively had nearly a year off, paid 80% of their salary. Why would they be so keen to go back to work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a new life um for them and we're, we're a creature of, i think we're people that are you know habitual in what we do and what we and how we live our lives and and yeah i think when you've had a year off uh, i can understand that caller saying you know i can't believe this my employer wants me to go back to work um i'd always believed that the companies who were probably at most risk of not surviving this would be the ones who would use the furlough for as long as possible to protect their employees as long as possible. I do think, um, I agree with you, Gavin, I think that companies that are positive and, uh, and, and know they've got to get back, um, I think they will be happy to, uh, you know, get their, their employees back as soon as we're able to go outside again. Um, so I think it's, it's, there'll be half that will continue with it. And I think half will, uh, will say, no, it's, it's time that we get back on the horse because that's the only way we're going to, you know, we're going to recover. So, you know, by way of uh, a summary, I'd just like, like to sort of hear your perspectives of closing comments, you know, budget, you know, good, bad, indifferent, you know, for business, for the recovery of the UK economy. Chris, do you want to lead on that? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I said before we went live that um, I would hate to be in uh, Boris's shoes or the Chancellor's shoes. Um, you know, we talk about a rock and roll place. I mean, this is this is probably the biggest, the most challenging budget probably since the end of the Second World War. Um, do I think there's a good balance here? Yeah. Um, do I think it's 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 based on optimism of a, a very quick recovery in the next eighteen months? Yes. Um, but you know whether well, that's going to happen or not, as Mark said, we've just got no way of knowing. I think taking everything into account, I think it, it's 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 much better than I was expecting. Um, but I also think that we'll hear more as the year goes on. Great, Mark. Um, I'll echo that. I, I, I agree. I think that the budget is about the best as it could have been given the circumstances. Um, it was interesting hearing about them talking about the national debt rising, as we mentioned earlier, that they predict it's going to go as, as, as high as maybe 19, 97.6%, I think they said it's going to go to, um, which is staggering. But at the same time, we then went, and here's another £40 billion we found on the back of the sofa we're going to put into the economy to try and keep things going. So they, they're, yeah. they're almost... As Chris said, you're a rock and a hard place because they've got to try and keep things going in a position where it's really hard to keep things going without effectively printing yet more money and creating money out of thin air. Yeah. Um, so I think they have got one of the hardest jobs in politics at the moment, like all chancellors all around the world, um, who are trying to balance the books in a really, really unusual, once-in-a-lifetime, horrible position. Yeah, yeah. Gents, thank you so much for your time today. For anybody listening, uh, firstly, Chris, if they want to reach out to uh, um, engage with you around uh, tax planning, tax consultancy, how do they do that? Um, check out the web, uh, website, um, premierconsulting.com. It's got a strange spelling, P-R-A for Apple, E-M-I-A consulting. And uh, yeah, any business owner that um, aspires to uh, keep more of what the business makes, um, any property investor who's, I think, dodged a bullet yesterday, uh, but knows that a bullet is, is on its way, then, uh, yeah, always happy to have a conversation. And Mark, if anybody wants to find out more about um, uh, the work that you do, Mark, in your practice for in terms of wealth management, and how do they do that? Yeah, uh, if you visit uh, sleekstoneprivateclients.co.uk, uh, my uh, ideal clients really, I suppose, are company directors, professional senior management all across the UK now to the power of, uh, of Zoom. Um, and I try and help them establish how they're going to manage their financial futures through succinct financial planning. Um, so yeah, if anybody wants to reach out, always welcome, always welcome a chat. Gents, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon for the Business Mastermind podcast. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success, and create more impact.